What a glorious morning, Heartland Church. You know those people who wake up in super good moods that are like very chipper first thing in the morning? Well, I am not one of them. However, today I am because I have the honor and the privilege of bringing the Word of God to you, which I am super excited about. So this morning we are going to be in John chapter 15, and we're going to look at the story that Jesus tells his disciples about the vine and the branches. This is a story that Jesus tells where he says that he is the vine, his father is the gardener, and the disciples are the branches. It's one of the last stories Jesus told his disciples before his death and resurrection. I think in this story, there's so much, by the way, in this story. But in this story, Jesus reveals to us the key of the life of a disciple and what it means to live the life of a disciple and what happens in and through us if we abide in him. So if you've been around church for a long time, this is probably a very, very familiar story to you. Uh, and you've probably heard this before. Um, this is something that we followers of Jesus need to be reminded of over and over again. If you're exploring faith, if you're just checking things out, then this is a good story for you to pay attention to as well, because Jesus talks about what happens in and through us when we abide in him, okay? So we're going to read the words of Jesus in John chapter 15, and as we approach the word of God, I invite you to stand up as we read the Holy Scriptures. John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You, already, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus, thank you for your word, Lord. We give you this time this morning and ask you to speak to us through it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. So I've decided to title the message this morning, Everything I Needed to Learn About Spiritual Growth I Learned When My Wife Became Obsessed with Houseplants. I know it's kind of a lengthy title, but it's true. It'd be too simple to say that my wife just simply has a green thumb. It's true, but it's more than that. My wife is magic. She's the type of person that when she walks by things, they bloom. She's like a Disney princess, like little critters will scamper out from the woods and bring her treats and make her clothing. That's, that's how she works. So uh, we've always kind of had houseplants, you know, in our marriage and growing up. And she has been my wife, Dana. She has been able to make things grow even in like our early days in windowless apartments. So... She's just kind of always had that gift. So in the summer of 2020, she, like the entire rest of the world, decided that she needed a new hobby, and she was going to double down on plants, and her hobby was going to be uh, growing an entire jungle in our home. Take a look at this picture. So this is the product of what she does. That's not even, that's not even 
I'd say that's about half of what we have in our home. Um, that is what she does. She succeeded in, in cultivating, intending to, and growing these beautiful lush plants. And in the process, becoming a total plant nerd as well. And so she would tell me the scientific name of the plants and like a fun fact about them. And the only problem was, is I didn't really care. Now, don't get me wrong. No, don't get me wrong. I enjoy having this type of lush greenery in my home, but it was just an emotional journey I could not embark on with her. I love her passion, for sure. I love uh, the, the product of her passion, certainly. But I just was kind of whatever about what it was that she was doing. This was until John chapter 15. Until I saw occurring in my home what Jesus was talking about in this story. This is a story of a gardener, a vineyard worker who tends to his garden in order for it to thrive. And I'm, I'm listening to these words of Jesus and I'm watching Dana, you know, take care of these plants and water them and prune them and repot them and propagate them and all of this stuff. And, and suddenly I'm seeing Jesus' words being lived out in my own home because everything that I needed to learn about spiritual growth, I learned when my wife became obsessed with houseplants. So again, the theme of this story, the vine and the branches that we just read, uh, Jesus is telling his disciples that somebody who follows him is going to bear fruit, is going to bear fruit in their life. Now, I want to be clear that the fruit that Jesus is referring to in the story is not the same thing as salvation. So I don't want to get I don't want us to get the two of those things mixed up. The fruit he's referring to is not the same thing as salvation. Salvation is being saved through Christ's death and resurrection and placing our faith in him. The fruit that he's referring to is what occurs in the life of somebody who has received salvation and is abiding in him. So uh, Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, he refers, he identifies this fruit, what happens when we do this. Uh, Galatians 5.22 uh, through the first part of 23, Paul writes, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the point of abiding in Jesus, is these are the things that by the power of the Spirit of Jesus indwelling in us, these things will come about in our life. So uh, if you continue to be present in Christ, if you continue to abide in him, that word abide is the word meno, M-E-N-O in Greek. And that word just simply means to remain in one place, to stay put, to not move, to dwell, to stay. And if we continue to, to stay put to meno in Jesus, this is the fruit that will come forth from, our, from doing that. Love, joy, peace, patience, all of that stuff. But here's the thing about that type of fruit. That is supernatural fruit. That is fruit from the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And so the patience that comes from that is a supernatural patience. The love that comes from that is a love beyond what we are simply capable of. We might be able to manufacture joy in our life, but that joy is sometimes short-lived because of circumstances. We might be able to manufacture more patience in our life, but that patience quickly evaporates the moment you pull into the drive-thru at Starbucks, doesn't it? The patience and joy and peace and goodness and gentleness that Jesus offers is not affected by circumstance because he is the true vine. That is why he says he is the true vine. Interesting that he calls himself the true vine. It kind of implies that there's a false vine, doesn't it? 
And I think there are false vines. I think uh, that we attach ourselves to all sorts of stuff in our life that we want to produce something in and through us, but ultimately will let us down. There's a vine of prosperity, but the peace that prosperity produces is fragile and it's temporary. There's the vine of popularity or notoriety, whatever you want to call it, but the joy that is associated with that goes away very quickly. There's the vine of position. There's the vine of performance. There's all sorts of vines that we attach ourselves to thinking that through those things, we are going to develop this fruit in our life that will ultimately satisfy and fulfill us. But Jesus says, none of that will. Only I can. Jesus wants to give us something better, something that will last. Jesus says that we are the branches. He says he is the vine and that we are the branches. Branches do not produce fruit. The vine does. Branches merely bear the fruit that the vine produces. You understand that? Branches just merely produce, or bear the fruit that the vine produces. So Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you. You cannot bear fruit without me. It, you must remain attached to the vine. You cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. So if you want joy in your life, then you need Jesus in your life. If you want peace in your life, then you need Jesus in your life. If you want to be more gentle, if you want goodness to thrive in your life, if you want self-control, if you want all of that stuff, then you need to abide in Jesus. Here's the frustrating thing about the vine, though, I'll tell you. The frustrating thing about the vine. The vine being the thing that produces fruit means that we don't get to determine how and to what degree and when the fruit is produced in our life. That is not our job. That is the job of Jesus. Our job is to abide. Our job is to remain. Because sometimes fruit takes time, doesn't it? If you have a garden, you know this. Sometimes fruit takes time. Sometimes you're like, is anything happening? Fruit takes time. Have you guys heard of this thing called the corpse flower? Here's a picture of it. So this magnificent thing grew uh, in the Old Brick Gardens in downtown Madison this past May. Um, and th th I guess they have several of these things there, but this particular one, the last time this corpse flower opened was 12 years ago. 12 years ago. Um, this thing was, I think, four feet tall or five feet tall. Did anybody here, by the way, go and see it? I thought about it, you did, all right. I thought about going to see it, but then I Googled why it's called the corpse flower, and I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm gonna go see it anymore. But hundreds of people lined up and paid to see this thing because it's only open for two days, and then it's gone. And, then, and now that one blossomed, and then the flower went away, and now what it's doing is just chilling there, sitting, waiting, gathering energy to grow again in, I don't know, five, 10, another 12 years, we don't know. Sometimes the fruit in your life will take time. We are people of instant gratification, aren't we? We, we, want, uh, we want the fruit to, to manifest in our lives right away, but God is the gardener and he understands the process. Philippians 1.6 says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You abide in him, he will abide in you and you will bear fruit, but he is the vine. You are the branches. You will bear fruit in time. You know that word meno, that means abide. Another interpretation of that word means to wait. So we need to abide in him and we need to wait and not waver. Jesus says that the father is the gardener. He says in John uh, 
15.1, I am the vine, my father is a gardener. Then he says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. The gardener cuts off every branch in Jesus that bears no fruit. It sounds a little ominous, doesn't it? Um, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're not producing fruit, does Jesus cut you off? That, it, it seems to imply that, doesn't it? Uh, but Jesus says that the branch is in him, but it's not producing fruit. And Jesus says any branch that remains in him but doesn't produce, or any branch that is in him will produce fruit. So why isn't this one producing fruit? It seems that there's a problem somewhere. There's, there's a disconnect somewhere. The word uh, cut off in, their, in, in that passage does not, the word in Greek is um, iro, and it doesn't mean cut off. The primary definition of that word doesn't mean cut off. It actually means lift up is what it means. Uh, that word appears a couple other places in scripture. There is this time where Jesus was in the wilderness right after he was baptized, and Satan comes to Jesus and, and tests him. And one of the ways that, that Satan tests Jesus is he says, throw yourself off of this cliff, and God will command the angels concerning you, Jesus, and will lift you up. And that word there is Iro, will lift you up so that you don't strike your foot against a stone. Uh, there's another place in, in Matthew where Jesus heals a paralytic man, and the man was laying on a mat. Jesus healed him. He stood up, and Jesus said, pick up your mat, Iro, and carry it and go home. So the word Iro has this lifting up, this picking up. And, and I've struggled with this, honestly. So there's a lot of biblical commentators and writers and authors that, that say that what Jesus is saying here is that if there is a branch that is abiding or was abiding in Jesus but isn't producing fruit, it's, it's an indication that that branch has detached itself, that there was a falling away, that there was a, you know, I, I used to trust in Jesus, but now I've, I've stumbled backward in my faith and, and you know, now I'm not going to produce fruit, spiritual fruit in my life, and so Jesus is going to cut me out. And that has been, I've heard, by the way, I've heard that message. When I've heard pastors preach on this, that is the message that they say. But remember, everything I needed to know about spiritual growth, I learned when my wife became obsessed with houseplants. And I think the reason why this passage has been presented that way is the people who were interpreting the scriptures weren't married to Dana because I saw what Dana was doing. Remember, the father is the vineyard worker. We have another plant in our home called the Monstera. Here it is, Monstera. This thing is gargantuan. That's probably why it's called Monstera, because it's a monster. And so this is sitting on our, our we have a screened-in porch, and it's just chilling there, living its best life. But what Dana has to do every so often is we have to rotate, see the potter thing? We have to rotate it because only one side of it faces the sun. And so the side that faces the sun is the side that produces all of these leaves and all that, you know, it's growing, but the side that's facing away from the sun doesn't grow leaves. And when that happens, it will slump over to one side. So we have to keep rotating it and exposing the side that doesn't get sun to the sun. You with me? So the father is the gardener, right? So I don't have a grapevine, but I have this thing, which is relatively similar to it. And so in ancient Israel, what the, vine, the vineyard workers, what the gardeners would do is every day they would walk the vineyards. They would walk up and down the vineyards because taking care of a vine was very tedious work. And so they would look and inspect the branches and they would see the branches that are attached to the vine but aren't producing a flower. So what would they do? They, they, would, they would literally prop 
that branch up to be exposed to the sunlight. So it was receiving proper sunlight so that it could flower. Do you understand what's happening here? The gardener would prop up, would iro, would lift up the branch that wasn't going to produce fruit so that it could. Do you hear what Jesus is saying to you today? If you are in him, but you are struggling, he is not going to cut you out. If you believe in him, but you are stumbling in your faith, you're stumbling with sin, you're stumbling with something, and you need help, he is not going to cut you out. He is going to lift you up. He is going to expose you to the light of his Holy Spirit so that he can produce fruit in you. The heart of the Father is so that you can produce fruit. It would be crazy to cut off a vine that has the, or to cut off a branch that has the potential to bear fruit. The vineyard workers wouldn't do that. They would want the vine to thrive. God's got you. I want you to hear that today. Some of you came in without hope. God's got you. You may feel like there's work that you have to do, that there's a sin issue that you have to address, that there's a return to the Lord that you have to embark on, and all of that is true. But remember, if you remain in him, he will remain in you. God's got you. Jesus continues by saying, uh, every branch that is in me that is bearing fruit, he prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. So the first plant that I have any memory of Dana and me getting in our marriage is this, a fiddle leaf tree. Um, Very common plant. There it is right there in all of its glory. Uh, We bought this shortly after we bought our very first home. And when we got it, it was maybe like two feet tall. And we've had this thing for maybe six years, seven years. I don't know how long we've had it. Um, But... uh, when it's, it's, and to be clear, I know absolutely nothing about plants. I hope, I hope you're getting, you're picking up on that. I know nothing, okay? So when this thing, when we first had it, it was really short and it started to grow. And as it grew and got a little taller, it started to like, like the, it would lean over to one side. And I was like, well, no one likes a Charlie Brown looking fiddle leaf tree. So I put a wooden stake in it and I tied the tree, you know, to the wooden stake. And every year it would grow, every year it would grow taller, and it survived several relocations, and it grew to be about four feet tall, you know, taller than my kids at the time. And every year I'd have to retie it to the wooden stake because each time it would grow, it would slump over more and more. Um, and a couple years ago, Dana and I were relocating from the Denver area to here, and it was going to be a very long drive, like a three-hour drive. And we took the wooden stake away from the thing, and the tree just like totally slumped over. We're looking at it, we're like, well, that's not how it's supposed to be. And so one of two options, we, uh, Dana said, well, either we just got to get rid of it or we got to prune it all the way back because this thing is not going to survive three days in the back of a hundred degree moving truck. And I was like, okay. And so what she did is she pruned it and it was four feet tall and she pruned it to about maybe this tall. And you could see those two little sticks right there That's about how tall it was. All that was left of this tree was two little sticks, you know, plunged down in the dirt. That is the pruning process. Sometimes it absolutely doesn't make any sense at all because pruning can involve cutting away something that is alive, but it involves cutting away something that is alive for the sake of something that can thrive. 
You understand that difference? Let me say it again, because I like the way that sounded. Pruning is a process of cutting something away that is alive for the sake of making room for something that can thrive. The word that Jesus uses for prune here in the story is a word in Greek that means literally to be cleansed or purified. In fact, the first time he says it, he says pruned. The second time he says it is you are already clean. The word is the same there. It's just interpreted differently. The big fancy church word, the theological word for this, by the way, is sanctification. That's the word, sanctification. This is the work that the Holy Spirit accomplishes in the life of those who abide in Christ. And this work shapes us increasingly more into the image of Jesus Christ. You understand that? That is the point of abiding in the vine is manifesting the same things in our life that Jesus put on display in his life and his work on planet Earth. So I want, I want to remind you today of a truth And it's a pretty uncomfortable one, but I think you could handle it, okay? Here here it is. Jesus is dangerous. Jesus is dangerous. Now, don't get me wrong. What I don't mean is that you are unsafe with Jesus, but Jesus is dangerous. And my wife and I were talking about whether or not I should use this word because she didn't like it. But she's coming to the next service, so you get it at this one. (laughs) Jesus is dangerous. And here's here's what I mean by that. I think author C.S. Lewis describe this magnificently in the Chronicles of Narnia series in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe because uh, Susan, who is a human child that goes to this magical land of Narnia, she meets all of these creatures. She's talking to Mr. Beaver. Maybe you've seen the Disney movie or or you've read the story, but she's talking to Mr. Beaver, and Mr. Beaver is describing to her who Aslan is, and Aslan is the Jesus of Narnia. And Mr. Beaver says that anybody who is in the presence of Aslan, their knees shake and buckle and they're afraid and they're fearful. And she's like, well, what's this Aslan guy like? Is, is he a man? And Mr. Beaver's like, no, he's a lion. She's like, oh my gosh, he's a lion? Was well, he safe? And Mr. Beaver says, of course he's not safe. He's a lion. He is the king of the jungle. He is the king of Narnia. He is ferocious. There is nothing safe about Aslan, but he's good, but he's good. And that is Jesus. Jesus is God. Jesus is holy. Jesus is the one who created all things and all creation is held together in him. Jesus is the one who is surrounded at the throne of God and the creatures will not stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That is Jesus. His eyes are like lightning. His his voice is like thunder and his words are like a double-edged sword. There is nothing safe about Jesus. He is dangerous, but he is good and he is loving. And all of that goodness and all of that love is aimed directly at you. Jesus loves you more than you have ever felt in your entire life, more than you could possibly wrap your mind around. And he is for you. He loves you. Do you want to know what one of the most dangerous prayers you could ever pray in your entire life is? It's Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. The writer writes, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Listen up. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a dangerous prayer. You know why? Because if you pray that prayer to God and say, God, 
Is there any pruning that needs to occur in my life? Would you point it out to me? Is there anything that is preventing me from bearing fruit to its fullness? Is there anything holding me back? God, would you reveal whatever it is in me that that you and I need to work on together, that you need to prune away from my life? I guarantee God is not gonna say, nah, you're good. You do you, bro. Get out there and slay, girl. Just do it. God's not gonna say that. God might say to you and me today, You want to hear my voice, don't you? Why aren't you in my word? You've been battling loneliness for like the past year or two years. Why are you isolating yourself from my people? You want to feel my presence in your life again the way that you used to, the way that we used to walk in a close relationship together, God declares to you and and says, then you need to make a change. You need to stop doing the things that drive you away from me and you need to start doing the things that help you abide in me. That is the process of pruning. When we allow God to cut away the things in our life that need to be cut away, the result is an increase of the fruit in our life, an increase of the joy and peace and patience and goodness and gentleness and self-control. That stuff increases in our life. You know that fiddle leaf tree that I talked about? A few weeks after our move, after we cut it down to just two sticks, we saw these little green nubs popping out from the top of those two sticks, and it started growing back leaves. It was slow at first, but then the thing just exploded, and it started growing like crazy. And this time, I did not tie it to a wooden stake, because everything I needed to learn about growing spiritually, I learned when my wife became obsessed with houseplants. And she said, Jake, the last time you did that, you broke my fiddle leaf tree. Don't do that. And so uh, what would happen is she would, she would walk by the fiddle leaf and grab it at the base and start shaking it, you know, shaking the trunk of the tree like this and just, you know, and then walk away. And I'm like, what on earth are you doing, honey? And then when it would storm outside and be like rainy and windy, she would take the tree outside and she'd just plop it outside and then she'd come inside and the thing would be battered by the elements. And I'm like, Dana, you were gonna injure our fiddle leaf tree. And she said, Jake, I'm gonna injure you unless you let me take care of my tree. I'm like, okay. And so uh, what she told me is that the fiddle leaf tree needed to experience stress in order to grow strong enough to support its own weight. Here it is now. You could, that's where we cut it off. We cut it out. You could see the mark, and you could see how it is thriving now. It is taller than it ever was because we pruned it away, and now it doesn't need that little wooden stake anymore. What it needed wasn't that wooden stake. It needed to be challenged. Because our faith sometimes needs to be challenged as well. If that sounds familiar, it should. James chapter 1, James writes, Consider it joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Sometimes the thing that we need to prune out of our life is the thing that God never planted in the vineyard in the first place. Sometimes the thing that we need to prune out of our life is the thing that God never planted. Sometimes that's simply just the desire to remain spiritually comfortable. You know, sometimes it's uh, we need to prune away the fear of serving, the fear of community, and the things that hold us back. Sometimes we tie ourselves or we lean on somebody in our life who is bearing spiritual fruit, but we're not. And without them, we would slump over. 
Jesus wants you to be part of him, not tied to them. Don't get me wrong. Jesus created us for community, but he is the true vine. We're surviving, but we're not thriving. God wants you to thrive. Jesus says that the branch that is detached from him is a dead branch. He says that branch is thrown away and it withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. And what this simply means, friends, is a branch that is not attached to the vine cannot produce fruit, and there is no place for that branch in the kingdom work of God. There's no place, because the purpose of the vine and the branches is to produce fruit. So if we detach ourselves from God, if we never attach ourselves to Jesus in the first place, we will not bear fruit. A life that is not in Christ is a life that will not experience life. It's a life that's lost. It won't survive. Branches without the vine are dead, and so are we apart from Jesus because Jesus is the life. Jesus is the way, and Jesus is the truth. When we abide in him, we will produce fruit. This is why it's so important for Jesus to say this to his disciples. He says, if you want to be my witnesses in the world, if you want to bear fruit in your life, you have to abide in me and let my words, let me abide in you. So what does it mean to abide in Jesus? What does this look like practically? Well, there's a lot of ways. Here's just a few. Abide in Jesus through prayer. Abide in Jesus through prayer. Are you praying? Good, pray more. And when you pray, don't just simply ask God for stuff, but ask God to speak to you. This past spring, I was part of a small group of about 10 or so other people, and we went through this prayer experience all together, wherefore we set aside an hour one night to pray, a full hour. 30 minutes of that hour was just us sitting in silence asking for God to speak to us. 30 minutes is a long time in silence with a whole bunch of other people. But we sat there and we waited and we abided and, and we asked God to speak to us. And let me tell you something. That was the most spiritually significant experience that I've had in a very long time. If you're wondering if God spoke to our hearts, 100% God did. 100%. And we shared with each other what God spoke to us and we cried. I cried. I hate crying, but we did it because I was so spiritually moved. We need to be in that process in a huge way. Uh, abide in Jesus through his word. Are you in the word of God every single day? Whoa, every single day? Yes, every single day. We're on Facebook every single day, if you're my age or older. You're on TikTok every single day, if you're my age or younger. We're on Twitter every single day. We're, we watch the news every single day. We listen to another murder, mystery, crime podcast every single day. There's so many things that we do every single day, TV every day, Netflix every day. Be in the word of God every single day. Get into it daily. There is nothing more effective for abiding in Jesus than to be in the word of God every single day. Jesus said to his disciples, you are already cleansed by my words. These are the words that he's referring to, the words of, of scripture, the words of the Bible. Be in that every single day and he will do the work of bringing about fruit in your life and he will shape you increasingly more into his image. Abide in Jesus through his people, through his people. You're here in the house of God on a Sunday, and that's wonderful. That's a great start. But who are your people? 
Who is abiding in him with you? That's the thing about a vineyard and branches. There is not one vine on a lone hill somewhere with one branch popping out of it with one little grape on it. You're not gonna see that. What you see when you go past a vineyard is you see all of these branches, look, all of these branches that are intertwined with each other, almost indistinguishable from each other because that is the type of community that God created us for. He wants us to be together. He wants us to thrive in community together. So who are your people? Who is abiding in Jesus with you? If God feels distant to you right now, sometimes the best thing to do is take a step toward his people. Abide in Jesus through worship. We heard from Abby earlier this summer that talked about this, so I won't spend a lot of time about it, but something Brent said at the beginning of the message I think is a great way for us to abide in Jesus through worship, and that is simply to to say, I will still trust you. I will still worship you. No matter what happens, I'm going to put my faith in your steadfastness. Even when I am not dependable, unreliable, even when I waver God, I am going to worship you. Worship is just simply being in the presence of God and responding to it. That's worship. People who abide in Jesus, what it looks like to abide in Jesus, practice these things and more regularly. So we as a church, we're going to pursue these things together this fall. We're going to be launching this this discipleship experience. It's called Rooted. You're going to hear more about it. But this is the group that I was a part of this past spring. And we spent 10 weeks together, going through a journal together, sharing our stories together. And I can tell you that that was life-changing for me and for everyone else in that group. It changed us. You're going to start to hear more about Rooted soon. But this is something, if you want to abide in Jesus more, then rooted needs to be something that you should consider or or consider even facilitating a group if you want to. Or after service, you could join a serve team. That's another way to abide, to be around people, to be using using the gifts that God has given you. You could do that as well. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you abide in me, I will abide in you and you will bear much fruit. So this passage in John chapter 15 is part of what's called the farewell discourse. The farewell discourse. This was said to the disciples on the last night that Jesus was with them, was together with them. If you go one verse back from John chapter 15 to the end of John chapter 14, it says that they left that place. The that place that they left was the upper room where Jesus just got done telling them that he was going to go to the cross for them, that he was going to lay his life down for them, that he was going to suffer at the hands of Rome and die on a cross for them. Jesus tells this story as they left the upper room and they are walking to the garden in Gethsemane, where Jesus spends an entire night wrestling with the Lord, sleepless, asking his friends to stay awake with him, because he knew the next day he was going to be crucified to the cross. And on that cross, he was going to shed his blood for me and you, and he was going to die. And he was going to pay the full penalty of the weight of sin that you and I could never pay. That is the farewell discourse. These words to Jesus were his parting words to his disciples, telling them, abide in me. Abide in me. I am going to go away. I am going to leave you, but I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to give you my spirit. I have given you my words. Remain in me and you will bear much fruit. 
Those are the parting words to Jesus. And he told them those words right after uh, celebrating the Lord's Supper with his disciples. So when you came in uh, this morning, you should have received a little cup that has bread in it and it has the juice in it. I actually didn't get one. <laughs> so if like me, you didn't get one, just raise your hand and thank you. And one of our team will, will give you one. But we are gonna celebrate the Lord's Supper together. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. Then after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave it to his disciples saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Take and drink. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we remember you. Jesus, we remember you. We remember what you did for us. We remember how you went to the cross for us, how you gave your life for us. We remember your words. God, help us to abide in you. Help us to trust you. Identify the things in our life that we need to prune away, to untie ourselves from, to get rid of. God, help us to cry out to you, to lift us up if we are struggling. Jesus, help us to wait on you. Help us to bring forth fruit in its season for your glory. Jesus, we love you so much. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.